Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. As we are worshipping, this is what the Lord impressed upon me. That I'm tempted to say today, all right, today there would be freedom. But I'm also tempted to say that freedom is everyday business of our Lord. Every time we come into the presence of the Lord, He delivers us. He liberates us. He wants to set us free. But since this impressed this in my heart, I believe we are in the presence of God and there is a targeted setting free of His people. Now all those who want to receive that, I want you to say Amen to it, to what God is at work today. Amen. Yeah, I was just thinking, church is a good place where we come with our burdens, we'll come with our, lack of a better word, garbage. And we do an exchange in the presence of God. We'll always go back full of the Holy Spirit, though we came with tons of things which has no value. The divine exchange happens in the presence of God. So today, if he's wanting to set some of us free, all of us free, let's keep our heart open to hear what is that he has to free us from. How many love freedom? Yeah, we do. Yeah, there's a lot more to experience the freedom of God. Well, we are in the season where we, we, we are talking a lot and we are practicing total surrender. And so I want to I want to start off with total surrender. Alright? We've been hearing the word on total surrender. But surrender is a military term. Alright? It's not a, not a good term actually. Alright? A typical in the world scenario, surrender would mean you are defeated. And therefore, you hand over your arms and your belonging to the one whom you surrender to. That's what we, you know, the, the world's definition of surrender is all about. Usually when we think of surrender, we think we have to lose something. We have to give up something. Am I right in saying that? Yeah? Usually we think surrender is a response to defeat. When we get defeated, that's when we surrender. Alright? But the word surrender in the kingdom term is very different. And so I thought it is important that we bring that out. We talk about it. Because in God's presence, when we surrender, we are not really losing anything we are gaining everything we don't go out of a response of defeat to the Lord our surrender is a response of our love to our king response is not out of being defeated but our response is because we love this king who is mighty during surrender, typical world term is there are a lot of negotiations that would happen. But in the kingdom, it's a total surrender because it is better to surrender totally to this king because he has got good interest for us. But I was also thinking, you know, unlike the world term of surrender, in the kingdom when we surrender to our God, we have nothing to offer. All we can offer is probably some filthy rags. But we will gain from him salvation. We will gain from him freedom. 
We will gain from him deliverance. We will gain from him the riches of his kingdom. There is so much to gain. There is so much we receive when we surrender. So the word surrender, when we are talking about it, it's, it is to be looked at not the world's definition of surrender. It's the kingdom definition of surrender. And usually surrender is an act. It is an event when we surrender ourselves to something. But post that, we live a submissive life. So surrender could be one area, one incident, one event. But subsequent to that, we live a life of submission. Whom do we surrender to? We surrender to somebody who is mightier than us. And in this case, in our in the kingdom case, we surrender to we surrender to the king. The king of kings. The Lord Almighty. We surrender to the mighty one. But every time we surrender, just like I mentioned, it's a battle term. Every time we surrender, it's an encounter. Now that probably could be a common term between the world's definition and the kingdom definition. There is an encounter. There is a battle. But in this case, it's not a battle, it's an encounter. Every time we encounter the king, the best response is to surrender. Because when we surrender, the king has his best interest in us and his rule will come into our life. Because the king has so much to offer to us. Nothing to lose, everything to gain. I was meditating on this encounter. How many times do we encounter our king? Once in a lifetime? How many times do we encounter our king? Every day? We encounter the same king? Alright, that requires for us to understand who our king is. Our king is, is beyond what we can think or even imagine. Alright, I keep saying this, all the brains put together in this house, we still cannot get a glimpse of who our king is. He is lofty, he is above everything else. So when we encounter our king, we encounter a new dimension about this king. We encounter his love one day. We encounter his provision another day. We encounter his security one day. We encounter his, his greatness another day. We encounter his justice. We encounter his righteousness. We encounter his goodness. We encounter his mercy. We encounter various dimensions of this king. And I believe it will take an eternity to encounter all the dimensions of this king. Because he is so lofty. He has got so many dimensions that it would take ages to even experience the different dimensions of this king. Can we hear a loud amen to it? Amen. You know, it is good to realize that we have not tasted the king enough. We have got some bits and pieces of his taste. We will take a lifetime to keep tasting the various dimensions of his goodness alone. The various dimensions of his mercy alone. The various dimensions of his kingship alone. So much to experience our king. And therefore, even if you have everyday encounter and you spend the whole eternity, trust me, it's not boring. You will enjoy it because every day you will have a new encounter of his nature or of his attribute. Because there are too many. Too many. I am fearful of even talking about his attributes. 
I'm covered by His grace. I'm covered by His 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 willingness to make me stand before and talk about this. Because He's He's too big. He's too lofty. He's mighty. He's beyond our imagination. And this morning, as we were worshiping, I was I, I was believing, and I just this. The sense was deep inside of me that even as we decided that this is a year of encounter and surrender, a year of surrender, I believe we can make every day of this year a year of encountering God in a new dimension. How many want to receive that? I'm praying as I'm speaking. That we will all hunger, hunger to know our God more. We'll, we'll all hunger to, to, to understand a new dimension of this living God every other day. Please do not be satisfied with what information or what encounter you had last year. This year is a year of encountering God in various dimensions. As we encounter, we will willfully surrender to that new dimension of awareness that we will have. There is so much to taste our God. There is so much to know about our God. So, it is worth investing our time to seek after God, to go after God, to pursue God, to know Him, to hunger for Him, to crave to, to know a new dimension of this living God. How many wants to do that? Can I hear a louder amen, please? Don't leave me alone on this place. I want you to come along with me. Because I believe there's a word for the church. There's a word that we will, we will encounter the Lord in new dimension. And that's what Pastor Steve also just spoke. You know, we will be marveled. Nothing like standing in awe in the presence of God. You know, if you take any of the descriptions of God in the Bible, it's always like He's likened to this. You know, this, the, the, it is likened to that stone, or it's likened to that, you know, animal, or, you know, it's, it's, it's. Because what is about God, even words cannot describe. And we are so handicapped because we don't know the heavenly language. We only know in, in a finite human-made English language. With that language, we have to describe something which is, which is unimaginable. It's going to be very difficult. So in such situation, the best thing to do is to stand in awe. And if we don't speak, Bible says, the thoughts will start praising. And therefore, we are, we are pressurized to... Say something with the language that we know. But God in His great mercy understands that we are weak and our words are also weak. We will, we will realize that when we meet our God face to face. But my first word for the church today is let's keep the hunger on through this year. And you will, you will, you will encounter God in various dimensions. And every time you encounter God in different dimension, you will surrender to God in that dimension. So today morning I was thinking we will look into one aspect, one another aspect 
uh, of God, one another attribute of God, which is the righteousness of God. Alright? Um, righteousness, what does that word mean? Righteousness. Right standing. It's right. And when we say God is righteous, what does it mean? God is right. He's always right. Whether things went bad with you, things seems not so great with you, but in God's sight, He is right. He can never be wrong. He is perfect in every way. And His perfection cannot be compared with anything else. His righteousness cannot be compared with anything else because He is the standard. When we say right standing, we are right compared to certain standards. But with God, there is no standard because He Himself is the standard. If there is a standard which God complies to, then there is something more greater than Him. But that's not the case. God Himself is the standard. And therefore, everything that He does, He is always right, He is always perfect. And all His attributes, they are not divided. It's not like one day God is God of love, another day God is God of justice, one day God is God of righteousness, another day He is God of mercy. No! He is at the same time God of justice, at the same time God of mercy, God of love, His the King, is the Lord, His Almighty, all coming together at the right time, right at the right place together. He cannot be divided. He's altogether one God. And all His attributes matches up to the standard that He is set by Himself. He is the standard. God is morally and ethically right. And whatever he does, he does in righteousness and in justice. He's perfect. But as I was writing this note, I wrote a sentence which disturbed me a bit. I wrote it like this. He's incapable of doing anything wrong. Now why was it disturbed? Because the word incapable with God, it did not go well. Because... Can God be incapable of anything? Hello? No? But because His righteousness is incapable of doing wrong, He's incapable of doing anything contrary to His nature. So if He says He's God of justice, He's always God of justice. He says God of mercy, He's always God of mercy. He's incapable of increasing his wisdom or decreasing his wisdom. That does not happen. It is no range. He is wisdom. Hey, are you with me? The reason I thought we should do this is I believe God is opening our understanding like a small dot about him so that we will learn to stand in awe at him. So that a revelation about his nature, when it hits us, it's an encounter so that we can surrender to this great I am. There is nothing that can persuade God to act differently to his nature. He is true to his nature. 
He does not adhere to anybody's law. He is the law. He is the author of all law. And he acts like himself at all times. We think of God very differently. We put him down. We think that one, sometimes we think as if he is moody. He is not. He is just the same. His nature is just the same. And to this right God who is perfect, who is holy, who is God of justice, how can we ever imagine to even stand before this God? Because Bible says, whatever good things that you would have done or I would have done, it's like filthy rags in presence of God. I did a Google search on what is this filthy rags. Trust me, I cannot even explain that here. It's that bad. In English, they have put it into a better word called filthy rags. In God's sight, it is that filthy our good works that we would do. Because the standard of God's righteousness is beyond us. It's way beyond us. I sometimes wonder, is it even okay to even imagine that we can stand right before God? No, it is not. Bible says that it's like filthy rags. And in God's presence, when everything has to be right and perfect, do you imagine or can you imagine sin can come in that presence of God? No. We'll be burned to chaff with sin in His presence because it's holy. His holy, holy, holy God. I don't want to bring care. No, that's not my intent. My intent is to help us expand our understanding of who God is and even to realize that He's beyond what we can think or even imagine. That we have to pursue after God to even get an understanding about who God is. Now this righteous God, we standing before Him, even we, you know, even if you have to read any of these verses on judgment or anything, to just stand before Him, it's, it's not possible. Because in His presence, with our filthy rats, we just cannot come together. It's way different. Now even if I showed it like this, it is not just this distance. You know, I refrain from even saying that it is as high as heaven from earth because that could be a finite distance. It's an infinite distance. The gap is huge. And that's where the Lord in His great mercy knows that we cannot stand by our own righteousness. So He decides, I need to wrap my children with my righteousness, says the Lord. So he gives his righteousness to us so that we can stand boldly before his throne. And only through his righteousness we can stand. And that's well described in a parable in Matthew chapter 22. And that's what we will read today. Can we turn to Matthew chapter 22? Are you all there? You look very holy today. Yeah? Are you okay? Alright, okay. Matthew chapter 22 is a parable which Jesus says and it's talking about referring to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Verse 3. 
verse 3 to 7, you know, it's the king is organizing a wedding feast for his son and he sent his slaves to go invite the wedding guest and nobody turns up. Bible says they claim they were busy with their business, they claim that they were they had many other things to do, they did not pay attention, um, they had farm to manage, they had another business to manage and um, the king sent another batch of slaves to invite them and so they mistreated them, killed them. That is still verse 6. Now this is talking about Jews, alright. Uh, God sent the slaves that did not respond to them and then verse 7. Verse 7 onwards. Are you with me? Yes. This side I heard a yes, this side, are you with me? Yes. We'll just go through a few verses there. Verse 8. Then he said to the slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Why? Because they did not accept the invitation and did not respond to the call. Verse 9. That's where we come into the scene. Alright? Because we were not the invitees in the first six verses. Alright? Verse 9 onwards belongs to us. So hear with me on this. Verse 9. Go therefore to the main highways. Which highways? That's Trivandrum highways. Go around in MC Road or NH. Alright? Uh, and the slaves did go there. Okay? And as many as you find there, we were all there, invite to the wedding feast. When the slaves invited, we responded. We said, okay, let's, let's go. And each one responded in their own style, but we all responded to the slaves' call and we were all going for this wedding feast. Verse 10. Those slaves went out to the streets and gathered together all they found. That's us. Are you with me? Yeah? You say amen to it? Okay. All they found. Both evil and good. I was there in that evil category. Most of you were in that good category. Looks like that. Alright? We were all there. But the slaves called whom? Both? Both? See, there are many people whom you have categorized as evil. They are all there in this. Okay? There are many people whom you think are good. They are also there in this. You might have thought yourself evil or good. But the invitation was for all. And when the slaves called it, both evil and good people responded to the call. Alright? So, um, they found both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. Verse 11. But when the king came in to look for the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. See, it's a parable. It's a story. It's narrated as part of what Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the disciples there. Now, therefore, it is a short story. But in reality, I want you to imagine this, alright? There's a long period of time from the time they were called. See, they were called, they have to walk up to the wedding place, right? And in, in those culture, they were given the wedding garments. And the wedding garments were given because it's the king who is inviting them. And therefore, it has to be king's standard of clothing. And the king knows that they cannot, oh, you know, they cannot go with that king's standard of clothing. Therefore, king arranges for the wedding clothes. 
And so you can imagine the people are coming in, there is stacks of clothes available for them. Now they need to put on, so they need to clean themselves up, they should put that on. Uh, now it's not a it's not an easy thing to put a kingly garment also, right? Uh, I'm assuming there would be some layers of garment. Am I right in saying that? And that's my imagination, alright? And so uh, there would be a commotion. It's not it's not as we are reading it. There would be a lot of movement, there would be laughter, there would be, you know, trying out, they will be also feeling a little awkward in this new dress, alright, in this new garment. And so they wrap themselves in the king's garment, what the king has provided. And then they have to walk into the dining room, which typical palace, again, it is a big palace, right? It's not like the next door, you wore here and you went in there, no. It's a, it's a walk, and they would have all gone together. And there should be have, should have been a crowd. Hey, it's my imagination okay? Yeah. yeah? Are you with me? You're able to play this movie? Yeah. yeah? Now, in this, in between, the Bible says there was a man who was not dressed in wedding clothes. Now, let's take this character. He was there amongst this good and evil also. Right? He also responded to come to this wedding dinner. And there was a place where they were handing over this garment. Do you think he would have taken the garment or not? What is your take? Yes? But he was not wearing a wedding garment. What do you think? Yeah? He rejected it. How do you know? What happened to this guy? How can you know what did he do, did do with his garment? For him, okay. But how would you know that what did he do with his garment? What happened to him on that day? Yeah? He was reluctant, but how would you know? Yeah, you have to ask him. And imagine, please ask him. But for now, let's do some imagination. Okay? I was thinking, see the moment he rejected the garment, he would not have got an entry. Because the slaves know without the garment, you are not getting into the wedding house. Is that okay? So I am thinking he received the garment. Okay? Maybe in some covering or a box or whatever. Maybe he showed the guard that he is wearing it. Maybe he walked a few steps and he removed it. Maybe he kept on wearing or removing it. Or maybe he hid it. Maybe he was hiding between the people. But the gift of the garment to him was not upon him at the time of dinner. And he was not qualified to sit there. Why, what do you think would have gone in his mind? He would have thought, I am good the way I am. My garment is fine. This is okay for this king. My garment is okay. This is how I am. This is how I have, I have been. This is the culture of our land. So I am just wearing that particular garment, which is the culture, our culture. I don't want to wear what others are wearing. I am unique. I want to stand out. Have you heard this kind of phrases? Have you? Yes or no? Only? Yes? We have used some of these phrases too. When it comes to walking in the 
path walking with the Lord, we have used a lot of these excuses. And we have kept sometimes this garment away. Sometimes this garment is, on the day of salvation, we have received the garment. There is joy bubbling in the heart. And then go back home and place it in the wardrobe. You know, you kept it very safe. Maybe frame it. Maybe decorate it. Maybe put some ornaments around it and you know, make. But without it, you cannot stand before God. It in the wardrobe is of no use. It is for us to wrap around so that we are acceptable before our Father. So that we can stand before our Father. So that we can be, be, be having a right position in the wedding. It's not to be kept safe. I wonder sometimes, you know, how did he manage that walk till the wedding hall with or without garment, whatever. It is going to be a struggle when others, the, the rest of the crowd probably tried it, probably started feeling comfortable with it over a period of time, probably were amazed, amazed at what they have received. Probably they are, they are like, you know, this is too much. I never in my, in my mind I would have imagined this kind of a reception. And so they are very excited. They might be really excited to see the sun. They might be very excited to see the king. They might be waiting to thank the king. They might be looking forward to meet with the sun and, and celebrate the wedding. They might be looking forward to the mercy that they have received. And received that, that the wedding garment, they have accepted it for themselves. But I'm thinking this man, while he was walking towards the wedding room, he would have had a lot of self-righteousness. I'm good the way I am. This is enough for me. I can stand before this. You know, all that, all that excuses and thoughts that he would have gone through. That's what the Lord's righteousness does for us. Bible says God clothes us with his righteousness. Because with our righteousness, we cannot stand before the Lord. And so, we receive the garment of his righteousness and he wraps us around. And this wrap cloth of righteousness, it's not on the day we surrender alone. It is for us to wear it and be submitted in our walk with Him. And it is not for us to remove it. It is for us to live with it. It is for us to live from that position of being righteous in the Lord. It is not for us to stay in guilt. It is not for us to stay in that, that, that pain of the past. It is everything is covered by this cloth of righteousness. And start living from that position. And that's why God gives us that cloth of righteousness. Verse 13. Then the king said to the servants. Bind him hand and foot. Before that, verse 12, think about it. And he said to the friend, the king is telling to this man, friend, how did you come in here without the wedding clothes? Even the king is surprised. Many will call him Lord, Lord. And he would say, I don't know you. How did you even come into this place without the wedding clothes? And the bird says, and the man was? And the man was? While the rest who received 
the, the wedding clothes. I am believing, this is not in the word, but I am believing, you tell me if you agree with me on that. When they received the garment, they were speechless in this mercy of God. They were speechless as to how this is possible. They were speechless about the great gift that they are receiving. Now this man was speechless when he was about to be tied at the throne. It is better to stand in awe and understand the, the, the and, and recognize the kingship of the Lord and being speechless then than at the time when we are not found in the garment. This man was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now think about it. There was an immediate judgment. Now God in his great righteousness, what he did with others, providing them the garment of uh, righteousness, and what he did with this person, uh, manifesting his justice on this person, both are right in God's standing. If he would not have exercised his justice, he would not have been right. So he's righteous when he, he invites us, He's righteous when he covers us with his clothes of righteousness. He's righteous when he judges us, when we have removed our clothes of righteousness. This morning I want to invite everybody, put on the clothes of righteousness. Put on the clothes of righteousness. Christ Jesus has paid a price for that cloth. We cannot stand before God Almighty with our own righteousness. We need the righteousness of God. And that is a free gift to us. He's given us this free gift. It is for us to receive the gift of righteousness and wrap ourselves with this cloth of righteousness. How do I know that? We move to Jeremiah 23 verse 1 to 6. Jeremiah 23 verse 1, 1 to 6. We'll read verse, verse 5. Behold, the days are coming. Now this is a prophetic word. Now this word is about today, of this, this season, of this generation. Jeremiah was prophesying long back. He said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as a king and act wisely. He's talking about Jesus from the genealogy of David. And he will reign as a king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. Go to verse 6. In his days Judah will be saved. That's us. We will be saved. And Israel will dwell securely. That's us. We will dwell securely. And this is his name. That we will call him the Lord our the Lord our can you tell that loudly? The Lord our righteousness. So that we will recognize we cannot, we can never stand by our own righteousness. We need the Lord to become our righteousness. This word is the name of the Lord which says it is Jehovah Sekinu. Every time we call in the name Jehovah Sekinu, we are asking Lord you are my righteousness. My filthy rags are covered by your righteousness. 
And I can boldly come to your presence. I can stand in your presence. I can be there on the day of judgment. Because the accuser will accuse me. But you will defend me. And you will say, look at him. He's covered with a cloth of righteousness in my sight. The Lord will say, he is righteous. Why? Because he's put on the garment of righteousness. Put on the garment of righteousness. I want you to just feel it. That the Lord is wrapping around you the clothes of righteousness. Can you imagine that? Close your eyes. Imagine it. The Lord is wrapping around you the clothes of righteousness. Some of you would have removed it on your walk. But today he wants you to come back. And he's saying, I'm going to clothe you again. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. Walk with it. Walk in the righteousness of the Lord. Walk from the position of the righteousness of the Lord. We don't work towards righteousness. We work out of righteousness. We work from the position of righteousness. We wear the clothes of righteousness and we do our Monday to Friday by the covering of the Lord of righteousness. You know, the Lord is our righteousness. His name is Jehovah Sekin. Lovely. Jehovah Jehovah, you sound like a Hebrew scholar when you tell that. So you can do that well. Do it loudly. Do it with boldness. Don't be scared. Because he wants to remove that scare. That's why he's covering us with his righteousness. So do it boldly. Jehovah, Sekhenu is the Lord, my righteousness. Jehovah, Sekhenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Jeremiah prophesied about these days. That he is raising up a, 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 a house of the Lord, a children of God who will not depend on their righteousness, who will know God is their righteousness. I'll do one more scripture and then we will pray. I want you to turn with Isaiah 54, 17. If you have NKJV, can you bring that up? Isaiah 54, 17. This is a verse that we use very often. Stay with me. You, you know this verse? Yes? We use that in many of our prayers. But I believe God is, God is opening up a new dimension for that from that verse today. And I want this to sink into our hearts. The whole chapter of 54... There are various names of the Lord, um, you know, in that text, in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 54. And when it comes to verse 16, he's saying, verse 16, can we go to verse 16? He's telling Israel, that's today for us, Behold, I myself have created the smith who blows the fire of coals, and bring out a weapon for its work. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm the sovereign God. I made the blacksmith. I made the instrument that he uses to create the weapon for you. The Lord is saying, I want you to know I am sovereign God. Say, sovereign God. Sovereign God. Over every situation of your life, God is sovereign. He is the sovereign God. 
Alright, before even he says, no weapons formed against you will prosper. He's saying the guy who made the weapon, I created. The metal that he uses, I created. The way he will create is, I am creating. I am sovereign. Before he says, you know, the weapons will not prosper. See, for us to understand that the foundation is, he is the sovereign God. And not, see, even the direction that the, the instrument will go, that the weapon will go, is based on what he will imagine. No? Or is it based on that person's uh, skill? Okay, tell me this. If, if David used the sling and the stone, alright, he threw in some other direction. Would Goliath have died? I'll read this verse again. Behold, I myself have created. Okay, behold, I have created the blacksmith. So, behold, I have created David, who uses the sling and the stone, who brings forth the sling and the stone, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. Now, imagine David using the sling in a different direction. What would have happened? There is so much of doubt. I should have first prayed against doubts in your soul. I want you to know God is sovereign. The number of your hairs is counted. He knows it. Not a hair will fall unless he allows it. And therefore, he said, every weapon that is formed against you will not prosper. Can you go to the next verse? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Because he is sovereign. And he says, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I will come to that. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Our righteousness is from whom? Our righteousness is from whom? Okay, now I want you to imagine your daily situations that you are fighting. God has sandwiched this with two powerful promises. One, in the bottom side he says, I am your righteousness. Alright? Operate out of the righteousness I have given you. Don't try to think that, you know, I am not enough. I am, I, I am a sinner. I am, I, you know, I, I have not followed this. I have not practiced this religion. I have not done enough, you know, all that stuff. You will not be able to fight. If you were to position yourself, first position yourself as the righteousness of God. And not because of what, what you have done, because God has imputed righteousness on you. Because God has covered you with his righteousness. And that's why the verse ends up with saying, I am your righteousness. Are you with me? And the other side of the sandwich, he says, I am the sovereign God. I am your righteousness. I am your sovereign God. We are not able to visualize it. Think with me. I want you to imagine your Monday to Friday where you are getting into your business. Go within these two pillars. But God says, I am your righteousness. I am your sovereign God. You are between this. In between what you do. That's there in this particular verse. Verse 17. Can we go through that? 
So what do you do as, as, as the one who knows that God is your sovereign God and God is your righteousness? Every tongue that accuses you in judgment, who condemns? Who condemns? Come on, is that the scripture? You? Me? No, no, you're not reading the scripture. No weapon form against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, God shall condemn. Angels shall condemn. Pastors will condemn. You and me in our Monday to Friday, we are in the business of condemning everything that accuses us. What does the accusation tell us? The accusation tells us that you are no good. But we have come out with the clothes of righteousness. We are God's standard of righteousness. Accuser tells you that you have sinned in the past. But we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So we will condemn. That is our business. Because we are going between two pillars. One side God says, I am the sovereign God. Other side he says, I have my righteousness on you. Now my son, come on, rise up. And every accuser, gentle, speak, raise up your voice. Monday to Friday, use your voice. Use your voice to do what? Condemn everything that is accusing you. Condom everything that is telling you that you are not good enough. Condom everything that is telling you that you will you will not be anywhere. Condom every doubt. Condom every shame. Condom every uh, guilt. Condom everything that the, the devil has for you. Because you are wrapped between the sovereign God's authority and the righteousness of God. Are you with me? This is God's dream for us. This is God's dream for us. He's looking for his sons to, to go around and the devil. Thank you, sir. Can you all rise up? Says this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is from me. That is our inheritance. That we will we will stop every accusing voice that is rising against us. All eyes closed. If you are going through any kind of a condemnation for anything in the past for any incident, any sin, any trauma, anything of the past. The Lord says, I am sovereign over it. I have sent my son to pay a price for it. It is cleansed. As you seek for forgiveness and as you seek for cleansing, everything of the past is wiped away. Wiped away. The blood of Jesus wipes away every sin, every guilt, every shame, and you you need not carry it. He wants to set you free today. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free. The devil accuses, I know there is some or maybe few here 
the devil is, has been accusing you through the week saying how can you be a child of God well tell the devil you are not a child of God because of what you did you are a child of God because of what Jesus did on the cross you are a child of God because you were purchased by the blood of Jesus and the father gladly wrapped you around with the cloth of righteousness and he declares that you are righteous let not the devil accuse you again rise up and, and, and condemn such voices condemn that voices you are a child of God you will be and forever you will be a child of God once you are a son you will not lose your identity unless you willfully give it but since you are making this prayer today you are a child of God you are a child of God I know somebody here devil is saying look at you have you changed at all have you changed at all are you a new creation every voice I condemn it in the name of Jesus I wrap every Lord I pray that you would wrap every one of us with a clothes of righteousness that we will stand righteous righteous hallelujah 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 there is voice of God is ashamed of you God is not ashamed of you God is not ashamed of you because when he looks at you he is not looking at what you say he is looking at what Jesus did you are covered by the blood of Jesus you are covered by the righteousness of Jesus today if you are moving out of this place do not leave this place without being wrapped by the cloth of righteousness receive it receive it receive it you don't need to pay anything because Jesus paid for it you got to receive it you got to surrender yourself to the righteousness of God and receive 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 hallelujah hallelujah there is voice that says you cannot make it till the end hallelujah church let's rise up let's 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 rise up a voice against this accusations of the devil the Lord says the good work that I have started in you I will bring it to completion do not doubt do not doubt do not doubt hallelujah hallelujah anyone with any kind of a burden laid at the foot of cross right now laid set yourself free wear the cloth of righteousness <laughs> it is free it is free just receive it lay your burden lay your shame at the foot of cross lay the guilt at the foot of cross your past does not define the cloth of righteousness defines you in the wedding room hallelujah 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 Jehovah said Kenu, the Lord is my righteousness can you tell that declare it over your life Jehovah said Kenu, the Lord is my righteousness 
Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.